You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. The Indiana Pacers are trading to the Washington Wizards the draft rights to Bilal Koulibaly, the seventh pick. And the Wizards are trading to the Pacers the draft rights to Jairus Walker, the eighth pick. You know, we think Walker's a really unique prospect because of his ability to handle, see the floor pass, make plays. He's one of these guys that's just one of those rare young big guys that really has great feel for the game. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Like, we have some high-level talented dudes over there, like Matherin, like like you said, Turner, Halliburton. Kevin, it was kind of a weird route to get there, but in the end, the Pacers ended up basically with the destination that was anticipated, right? Yeah, you know, there's, I think, a little bit of that initial, like, wait, what's going on here? Uh, Certainly, if you weren't following things on Twitter, which I know a large majority of our audience is not glued to that during the draft, but Jarris Walker with pick number eight, not pick number seven, he joins the Pacers and then a bunch of guards the rest of the way. Good Friday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jay Query, and Mark Dykton. Uh, Chad Buchanan, the GM of the Pacers, going to join us a little bit later in the show. We will certainly break down all the prospects and all the madness from last night. And if you are a fan of the Indiana Hoosiers or a fan of Trace Jackson Davis, did you have to make it till, was it 1245? Did it reach 1 o'clock? It was close. The second to last pick of the night, the Golden State Warriors get back into round two to take Trace Jackson Davis at number 57 overall. Uh, You check out Trace's tweet right after the Pacers passed on him at number 47. I did not actually see his tweet. Uh, he didn't seem to be too pleased with his fall. You all will regret it, I promise you. Uh, Pacers passed on him, I guess you could say, three realistic times, 26, 47, and 55. Uh, but he goes to Golden State, and honestly, even if you just want to separate, like he goes to the best franchise in the NBA over the last 10 years, there's probably not a better roster makeup for a guy like Trace Jackson Davis in the entire NBA than there. You know, at that point of the draft, Jake, there's probably some of you that's like, hey, just go undrafted and pick your spot. If he had to pick a spot, I think Golden State would have been pretty high on the list, if not at the top of the list. By the way, I'm curious of this. I'm sure it means something that I'm missing out on, and I have no idea. What number was Trace Jackson Davis at Indiana? Uh, 23, right? Yeah. Have you looked at his Twitter profile picture? I have not, no. Maybe he wore this jersey in a game. Did, Did they wear them... Now that I'm thinking about it, was there some game where they all wore that? In his Twitter profile picture, he's wearing jersey number four. Oh, did he wear that early in his career? Did he? For some reason, four feels like he did wear that at some point. Uh, But nonetheless, interesting because Golden State was one that we talked about, Kevin. You know, with Draymond Green and, and, you know, the, the future uncertain for Draymond Green. What did we say? That we thought Trace Jackson Davis could be a Draymond Green kind of player, right? And then all of a sudden, Golden State goes and and, and gets him. They don't have a player on the roster over 6'9". 
Like, again, even if you just separate, he's going to the Warriors. I mean, like, everyone gets that. Oh, my gosh, Trey's going to the Warriors. That's great. But, again, from a roster standpoint, Mike Dunleavy said it last night. Mike Dunleavy's their new GM. He's like, Trace is going to have a good chance to be on our 15-man roster. You know, when you talk about the Pacers' second-round picks, we just talk about them as two-way guys. Right. Trace, that doesn't appear to be the case. So, again, a lot of weight. Obviously, he's disappointed. But if you were going to talk about the best team for his fit to kind of quote-unquote go for, Golden State doesn't have a lot of bigs at all. And Jermichael Green's really old. He's one of them. So... Um, yeah, I guess the easiest way to say it would be because you get you start getting into a point where you're like, man, you might be better off at this point not being drafted and being able to sure. pick where you go. This would have been one of the best options that he would have looked into, right? Without question. Uh, Jalen hood Shafino, number 17 to the Lakers. Um, so just outside of the lottery for him. Jake, overall, thoughts on uh, what the Pacers did? Um, let, let's begin with this. Because I know a lot of people probably asked it as initially. I mean, your your first reaction is like, what? But it makes sense when you really break it down. I think what we saw was the Pacers were sitting at seven and you had Washington at eight. On the clock was a guy that Washington really wanted. And... Either the Pacers knew that that's who Washington really wanted or Washington inquired to the Pacers that that's who they really wanted and to, to see if, you know, we're talking about the pay, the guy that the Pacers technically drafted. And Bilal Kulabi, am yeah, I saying that right? I, he was Webamyama's Wim, like teammate in France, right? And so whether real or fictional, all account is that it was San Antonio but at some point, Indiana said to Washington, hey, listen, just so you know, like we're sitting here at seven and your guy's there, but we're getting phone calls from people that want him. So if if, if you want to secure that, that this is your guy, what are you willing to give us? And Washington said, we'll give you two future second rounders to, to draft him, and then we'll take your guy at eight and we'll just flop him. Now, there is part of me that's like, why wouldn't you just trade the picks right then? and let Washington make the selection. But I think they're probably, you have to turn in the paperwork and et cetera. I, you know, I don't know what, you're talking about a condensed amount of time. So the Pacers draft the player for Washington with the knowledge that Washington will then take Walker for Indiana, right, the next pick back. And that way Indiana, for doing Washington that solid of protecting their guy for them, gets two second round picks of the future. Now, and they pay Walker a little bit less money than they would have at seven. That's the big one. So you say to yourself, well, why would you, if you're the Pacers, why why do them that solid? What do you care? And that's the answer is you now, because the NBA salaries are set up based on pick, you now are paying like $510,000 less per year to Walker than you would have if you took him at seven. So... If you're Walker, you're probably like, well, I got completely <laughs> yeah, if you're jobs the agent, there, right? Like, Come on now. Yeah. You know, he was a guy that obviously I think we all probably would have pegged as the favorite coming into the night. I mean, you, you just need a presence. You need an attitude on the defensive end of the floor. And last year, the Pacers averaged a franchise best, NBA franchise best, 116 points per game. Offense, no issue for the Pacers last season. And they lost 47 games. 
they weren't really sniffing a playoff spot. They had to get better on that end of the floor. Um, there, I think there's a lot of things to like about Walker. So much of it is on that defensive end. I mean, Jake, you don't see a lot of five stars that are like, yeah, I'll go play for Kelvin Sampson. I mean, that, that, that's, that's not a coach that's going to let you skate by. Right. And I think that sort of defensive mindset, the intensity that Houston plays with, um, obviously in Walker, you know, so many people want to comp him to somebody. I know his body type is not this guy, but Jake, I think he's got like some Thad Young ability to him of a defensive versatile piece that the question is, okay, how much can he give you offensively? Particularly how much can he give you shooting the basketball? 34% from three. That's not horrific, but you would like that number to rise a little bit. And Rick Carlisle said it last night. Really feels like offensively, he's got a nice feel, whether that is as a cutter, as a passer, things like that. And you know Tyrese Halliburton tends to get a little bit more out of those guys. So I was totally, totally fine with Walker as the pick there. I'm good with shooting uh, with Ben Shepard, the later first-round pick out of Belmont. Um, Had some big-time games, 33, 35, 41 points at Belmont over the last two years. You know, Again, Buddy Heald's in a contract year. Buddy Heald is north of 30. Um, You can never have enough shooting. If I'm going to nitpick... It just seemed like they drafted a bunch of two guards the rest of the way. And, and I, you know, again, guards and shooting, it's fine to, I guess, bet on a little bit. I know there's some questions about Mojave King, their 47th pick, and his shooting. I would have liked to have seen a few more kind of threes and fours because I feel like the roster could use that. But defensive focus, you got the future first-round pick, a little bit of shooting. I'm good at the night. You know, the I know a lot of people – and understandably so, like, how in the world did the Pacers pass on Trace Jackson Davis? Hell, if I'm Trace, I wouldn't want to come here. Correct. That's what I was going to say. That, that might, They might have done it a solid there, right? Because they, they kind of have a log jam. They do need – I will say, though, they do need probably one more power forward. But I just I, – I don't know that he would have been a fit here. And the pressure just would have been t- – I think. How I many mean, times did we sit here last year, Jake, after games and be like, man, they couldn't get Isaiah Jackson a few more minutes? They couldn't get Jalen Smith a yeah. few more minutes. Well, now you have Jarris Walker, and you have lost nobody in the front court. Nobody's a free agent. I, I guess O'Shea Brissett maybe would qualify um, in that front court. But, yeah, if I'm Trace Jackson Davis, I mean, Golden State, to me, is an ideal fit from a roster standpoint. Um, again, a little bit more on Ben Shepard out of Belmont. Played there for four years. This is who they took at number 26 overall. 6'6". 37% career shooter from three, shot at 41% last year. You know, something that I think that you, that I was a little bit intrigued by with Shepard is when you think like at least my stereotype, and I apologize if this is the wrong stereotype, when I think of mid-major shooters, Jake, I'm like, oh, that dude probably can't guard anybody. Right. He was all first team Missouri Valley defensively. So I don't think he's like an just obviously he's not like a liability on that end of the floor um when I saw this pick and honestly a little bit of the Jarris Walker pick I almost look at it and think boy is this the end for that 2021 draft of Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson in round one the um I'm about to sneeze here no all you <laughs> this happens every morning you know uh the one thing about Coming out of the Missouri Valley and being an all-defensive league player, I've always felt like Kevin the Moval is a really well-coached league. Like, if you're coming out of the Missouri Valley where you've been efficient, 
you probably are a pretty smart player because you're going against like really good defensive sets, I think. And Belmont's known for that, really. Night in and night out, yeah. But um, I had to, to chuckle. JMV caught it, too, and, and tweeted it out when they were talking about him, and they said, he's a dead-eye shooter when left unguarded. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because that happens a lot in the NBA. So right? is JMV, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, he threw out his own player, comps Ben Shepard. He uh, used Caleb Martin, who obviously was all with Miami, Quentin Grimes for the Knicks, and then another guy in the final, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And, and I think just getting a shooter for that second unit, you know, you have T.J. McConnell, of course, you have Andrew Nemhard, you have Aaron Neesmith. Um, Nemhard and Neesmith can certainly hit perimeter shots, but I think now you throw him in there with Jordan Wara, that's a little bit more shooting. And I just think Halliburton, the more shooters you put around Halliburton, the better. I mean, he's just going to find guys with open shots. Jordan Wars, that's a funny mention because you kind of forget about him. And when they got him last year for, I can't even remember what they gave up for him, but he... He was like instant offense, yeah. right? And shooting, you know, from the from the perimeter there. Uh, does Mojave King qualify as one of the cooler Pacer names? Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? I mean... New Zealand. That means he's a Kiwi, right? Yeah, he sounds like Jason Day when you hear him talk. The one thing that I noticed, a couple of observations from the draft, Kevin. Um, first off... And I don't. I, I. I wondered if I was the only one that noticed this, but we were well into the draft. First off, to to me, I I think that there is a like almost a bias. I think people look at the NBA draft even more so than the NFL draft. People look at the NBA draft and they go. These guys are 19 years old because they're drafting a lot of players right out of college one year or or the 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 gap year for the G League. So a lot of these guys are 19, 20 years old. And there's a natural societal resentment about that to a lot of people. I can't believe this guy's 19 and they're paying him all this money. They're making millions of dollars, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that there's for a while there there was the the concern of like maturity issues of Are like you this kid's up too over young. There? What's that? Sound yeah. like you're blowing up. Yeah, good? I need to I need to put my phone on silent. Um, I think there's there's naturally like this resentment of like these guys are too young to be getting all this money, and yet what we are now seeing is players that have been in the spotlight for a while. And just kind of know how to handle it. And so my long-winded point here is we were like seven or eight draft picks in. And in the interviews, I thought to myself, these are all really polite, nice kids. I I, I say kids. I know they're young men. But I, I just thought every one of these players seems very like, – like Shanna made the point. She's like, well, he seems nice. He seems humble. Like, he is so happy to be there. I mean, instead of guys coming in like that had kind of this, and I'm sure they're all very confident and sure of themselves. My point being, I thought it was kind of a feel-good draft. I mean, you had very nice parents that were up there, like happy for their kids. You had players that were all really respectful of the interview. I don't know why they didn't have two microphones for both or three for the little panel because they had to, like, pass the mic back and yeah. forth. It was very awkward. There were a lot of weird, awkward pregnant 
pauses last night. The 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 panel itself with Jay Billis and JJ Reddick, like they nobody the kind of really knew. struggled. Yeah, they didn't know like when to talk, and and yeah. it just was that part was odd. More Reddick, please, less of the others up there. Yeah, Billis a couple of times looked like he either wasn't paying attention or was about to fall asleep. And at times, don't, so we have two different telecasts, right? There's an ABC telecast. I think that's right. I, I watched the ESPN. Yeah, I, I watched the ESPN. At times, I wanted to say, like, this should be the ABC telecast. I'm all for interviewing the parents, but isn't that more of the ABC feel when you're trying to get, like, the casual fan? Isn't that's, ESPN that's a little a, bit more for the nitty-gritty nitty yeah, stuff? Yeah, that's, that's a real good point. Like, a little bit more for the analysis. And again, I think Reddick is crazy talented on air. I think he's really, really good. And at times, they just like forgot about him or, in my opinion, didn't utilize him enough. The other thing, and I feel like this is an annual one, and, and Mark, you certainly brought it up as soon as we walked in the studio. From an NBA rule standpoint, can we just all get on the same page with these trades and not confuse the hell out of the well, audience? That's, that's the thing. Maddie was so confused when I'm like, she's like, oh, this is the guy that we're, that we're drafting? You know, talking about the French guy. And I'm like, no, actually not, you know. And she's like, why aren't they saying anything on ESPN about this trade? And then sure enough, five minutes later, you know, here comes Bobby Marks or here comes Woj. It's so confusing for the audience, especially when 95% of the audience isn't locked to Twitter like I By the way, how about Woj at one point, and I I like Adrian Wojnarowski, but how about at one point when they caught him off guard and he's like, sorry, I'm texting with a GM right now. <laughs> sure you are. Well, like, why can't it be like the NFL draft where, like, oh, the Houston Texans have just traded up to two. Here's the details. Right. And then we go. Like, instead, if you're not following on Twitter, you're like, okay, the Pacers drafted this guy who's from France, but yeah, now we're... I, I want to know this. Does the player... Okay, let me ask you guys this. Jairus Walker said he did not initially know that the trade was happening. He thought he was a wizard there for a, a period of time. So, does he keep the wizard's hat? Would you oh, keep sure. the hat? Well, you give it to your best high school friend. Yeah, why not? It's a collector's item. Like Put the picture on eBay. Does you know, Kawhi Leonard still have his Pacers hat? I was going to say, the picture of Kawhi Leonard in a Pacers hat. Does he still have the Pacer hat? Kawhi strikes me as he has zero sports gear in his house. Totally agree with that, yeah. Kawhi- and the reason for that, Mark, is the NBA's league year. So in the NFL, free agency is mid-March. The draft is late April. So technically, you're in the next year. For the NBA, their new league year doesn't begin until a week from today, free agency. So that's why you don't see these trades finalized. It's way too confusing. Just figure it out. Just move the draft then. Move it, like whatever you have to do, because it is... ESPN would have that little, you know, graphic in the bottom left corner of proposed trade, unless you were looking for it. Right. That's not the thing that you initially thought. So I thought the overall coverage was really poor. Uh, the fourth and final pick for the Pacers last night at number 55, which occurred at about 1230. Uh, this was the IU killer, right? Isaiah Wong? That's what um, somebody just texted me when you heard my phone blown up. 27 for Isaiah Wong in the tournament for Miami, the ACC Player of the Year. Big-time score. I think like his positional fit in the NBA is a question. He's like a 6'3 kind of score. It's not a point guard. It's not some... Six 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 seven wing, um, he strikes as a dude that will have some big nights for the Mad Ants and potentially be a ninth man one day. Uh, hey Jake, it's not so much that IU fans are upset the Pacers passed on Trace Jackson Davis, but they took the guy that knocked IU out of the tourney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't someone tweet at us last night? They're like, oh yeah. 
At Pacers, don't pick Trace Jackson Davis when they could have. Instead, they pick a guy that killed us in the tournament. Really in touch with their fan base here. Oh, yeah. I mean, that... Because Kevin Pritchard's job is to pick a bunch of IUBB players. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I mean, come on. I thought that was... (laughs) And and let's not forget, okay? I was livid. Livid. Matter of fact, I'll tell you in in 30 seconds, because we're probably up against it, a quick story. So... A couple of years ago, the family that lives across the street from Shannon moved. They've lived there for 40 years, right? They moved. Shannon happens to live two doors down from her parents. It's kind of hard to explain. Three but doors all, down. has got some decent songs. That's right, yeah. Um, well, you know, Superman lives there. So, at any rate, when the neighbors across the street were moving, Shannon went over there to like take cookies or whatever, like, oh, you know, we're sorry to see you go. You've been great neighbors. And the neighbor says, you know, I can tell you this now, but I didn't want to tell you then. And she said, okay. And he said, in 1987, when your father, because her father at the time was the general manager of the Pacers, and the neighbor said, in 1987, when your father drafted Reggie Miller, the Indiana State Police actually had a temporary post at our house for like three days because they had received so many what they considered to be credible threats to your father because he didn't draft Steve Alford. Dear Lord. And he drafted Reggie Miller. So the state police actually, they're like, so that was like the excitement of our living here is we had the state police hunkered down in our garage for like three days to, to watch your parents' house, but they didn't want your dad to know to worry him. So That's a bit frightening. That is a true story. So my point being that at that time, and I remember calling, I was in the eighth grade and WIBC had Reggie Miller on and I called and said, I wanted Steve Alford and I I represent a lot of people. What do you think about that? And he said, well, hopefully you'll like my game too. And at that time, Reggie Miller was nothing more than a trash-talking shooting guard that had beaten Indiana in the NIT. And people were like, I can't believe, not only did they not take Steve Alford, they took the guy that knocked Steve Alford's team out of the NIT when he was a a sophomore. It, It worked out okay. Their job is to make the Indiana Pacers the best team they can be. And again, I think the fit for Trace Jackson Davis is ideal. Totally. If I'm Trace Jackson Davis, I am elated. Yeah, where he ended up. Um... Grady Dick, more Elton John or more figure skater? Uh, let me tell you. Or if a figure skater and Elton John had a kid, maybe that's what Grady Dick was wearing. I have, I have thoughts on that. Because you're a fashion police. That looked well, like something he might have got out of Paul George or Tyrese Halliburton's closet. I have thoughts on that, Kevin, that we'll get to in like 15 minutes, and people are going to think I'm the old guy. Which I am, maybe. But... I'm curious if my thoughts are off base. Chad Buchanan going to join us. Is that 940 for Chad Buchanan? In that vicinity. Okay, 940 for the Pacers GM coming up a little bit later today. We'll play some audio from Rick Carlisle last night. His comments on Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard in particular. For those that are just now waking up, the Pacers made four selections last night. Jairus Walker out of Houston at number eight. That is a forward. Ben Shepard, a guard from Belmont at 26 overall. And then the second round, a couple of guards again. 47 overall was Mojave King from New Zealand. Played for the G League Ignite last year. 
And then at 55, Isaiah Wong. That is the Miami ACC Player of the Year, who again had 27 points against Indiana in their tournament win. Those were the four selections for the Pacers. Uh, From an Indiana, the state of Indiana standpoint, the connections that were drafted, Jalen Hood-Shafino, 17 to the Lakers. And with the second-to-last pick of the night, the Golden State Warriors got back into the second round to take Trace Jackson Davis. Mojave King, by the way, if they that guy rules in the desert. If they play in the desert, that he he is lights out. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Ziggers Hotline, and I'm guessing he got up five minutes ago because it was a late night, I'm sure, for Chad Buchanan, the general manager of the Indiana Pacers. And Chad, I realize that right off the box, you're going to say that you guys got everybody you wanted, um, and I say that both probably seriously and flippantly at the same time, as odd as that sounds. But uh, just overall kind of your assessment, did it turn out to be a more frantic night than you anticipated? Well, first of all, I I don't think it was five minutes ago. Who says I've gone to sleep yet? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, But no, a very successful night, I think, for us. I think every team wakes up the day after the draft and feels good about their picks. And, you know, we got a couple guys that we really, really had targeted and liked going in. Um, you know, our board, I think, you know, the top 10 guys probably went about in the order we expected. And we had a couple guys we were very comfortable with drafting, depending on who went before us. And um, Jairus was a guy that we've liked all season long, both from a positional need, the talent level, uh, the character point, you know, standpoint. There's just a lot of boxes that he checked that, you know, made him a, a big priority for us. And, you know, Ben Shepard is another player that, you know, came in and really impressed us in the workout. Was great at the combine. Um, a guy that we tracked for the last two years that has really grown on us too. So, um, in the second round, you know, Mojave and Isaiah. You know, second round is such a crapshoot, but uh, excited to see what those guys could turn into as well. So, you know, we felt it was a very successful night for us. Okay. In quick fashion, before we get to the kind of the nuances of the players, uh, I'm curious with the the trade that took place. I think we now know what took place with Washington. I mean, San Antonio apparently calls and says, "Look, we have interest in this at seven. So you go to Washington and you say, "We're getting." I guess my question would be this, Chad: How did you know that Washington had interest in the player that you selected for them at seven and? why not just swap the picks in advance and have Washington make the seventh pick? Is that a time issue? Yeah, some of it's a time issue. Some of it didn't play out exactly how you mentioned there either. Um, You know, when you have multiple teams chasing a player uh, that maybe is a player that you're not targeting, um, it puts you in a position to try to, you know, move down a little bit and, you know, pick up an asset or two that can help you, you know, in the long run. Um, and a lot of this stuff happens right on the clock. I mean, it's, it happens fast. And like I said, a lot of teams coming after something at, at the same time, you know, at the very, very last moment, you know, cause you to have to make a decision. And we were comfortable moving back for, a, you know, a small, like I said, a small assets coming to us and still getting the guy we had targeted. So uh, it, was, it was a very easy decision for us. Chad Buchanan's with us here, the Pacers general manager. But Chad, before we get to Jarris Walker, uh, how close were you guys, if at all, of trading number seven for a veteran or trading up in the draft? You know, we didn't have as many options as we had hoped um, for a veteran that we had targeted. Uh, we tried very, very, very hard to do that. We had a, a group of players around the league that we felt would be a great fit with our young core that played a position of need. 
that we went after as about as aggressive as we possibly can without sacrificing you know our complete future. Um, but unfortunately, those players were not available, and so um, you know we tried on that front. But then today we we were very comfortable with a couple guys staying at pick seven and adding another young player to our core to try to build with. Obviously, Jarris Walker was the selection. You don't play for Kelvin Sampson if you can't guard on that end of the floor. What is it about his physical makeup, his IQ defensively, that is so attractive in addressing, obviously, a major area of need for you guys? Sure. You guys watched our team all year last year. We, we had a lot of offensive talent, and we were very poor on the defensive side. So that was a... A big emphasis for us and will continue to be as we add to this team is guys that can come in and improve us on the defensive side. And, and Jarris does that. You know, Jarris has a lot of versatility to his game. He's a guy who played point guard for a little bit of time in high school. And he's got a great feel for the game, which Coach Carlisle and our staff really value. A feel for the game, ability to play in a flow offense, to make quick decisions with the ball. Um, very unselfish. Um, you know, just a good fit for us in a lot of ways, but mostly we're excited about his potential to defend. You know, defending that position, the six, seven, the six, eight, six, nine scoring hybrids is a you know it's a challenge in our league. And we, you know, Aaron Neesmith did a, as good a job as he can with that. He's a little undersized against some of those guys. Where Jarris has a little more you know size uh, and physicality to throw at some of these you know Jason Tatum's and Giannis's of the world. Uh, but that, that's where we felt like he was a good fit for us, specifically as a defender. Chad, obviously I realize that if you know if something comes along that's going to make your team better, you're going to make a move. I get that. But in terms of moves precipitated by Indiana, by the Pacers, are you guys done for now, or are there still some auxiliary moves that can be made? Uh, I, I wouldn't say we're done you know, for right now. We're going to continue to explore what's out there. I mean, we have one roster spot right now still. Um, you know, there were other minor trade opportunities that we did not pursue that you are know, probably still there if we would like to. We wanted to see how our, our draft night played out. But we still have, you know, on our roster, we're happy with the young core. But, you know, I think we got to look at maybe adding one one more player to a certain role, and we'll, we'll look at that. You know, we've got still got cap room left. Um, like I said, we have the roster spot available. We have a two-way uh, contract available, a couple of those. So we still have tools to use, and we got you know some time here to look into those. How heavily did you explore Trace Jackson Davis at 55? I mean, we love Trace Jackson Davis as a player. And, you know, sometimes it's got to be a mutual interest. Um, you know, you don't want to have a player with you that is, you know, not coming in wanting to be there. And so, you know, Trace is going to be a terrific player. And um, like I said, we were big fans. Obviously, our roster and what he is, the position he plays, wasn't a great fit. And we understood that. And, you know, his representatives understood that. But, um, you know, if, if we had been in a situation where we didn't have four players at his position, um, you know, I think Trace would have been a great option for us. And like I said, we were big fans of his game. So then was there discussion – I would assume from that, from Trace Jackson Davis or his camp, that he would have been happier going elsewhere and that he didn't feel Indiana was a fit for him. I think that's accurate to say. 
Which, Interesting. I mean, given the roster makeup, sure. I mean, it makes it makes total sense. And why we've said throughout the show, Golden State on paper, much better fit than where things are with Indiana. Chad Buchanan with us, the Pacers GM. Uh, Chad, let, let's chat a little bit more about Ben Shepard. I know the shooting and the scoring ability at Belmont stands out. I was saying to Jake earlier, I feel like when I hear of good mid-major shooters, I think the stereotype is they can't guard anybody. But it seems like you know defense is not a liability by any means with him. No, I think Ben is a is a two way player. He's the thing that stands about out about Ben. This seems like something very minor. Um, is he is a in phenomenal shape and he's in constant motion on both sides of the both sides of the floor. He's offensively he's just running off screens. He's sprinting the lanes. He's curling off picks. He's he's pushing the ball in transition off defensive rebounds. He's just his motor just never stops. Um, and then that carries over on the defensive side too. Just a guy with a with a great effort level, a great care factor, uh, tremendous character. I think the fans and the media are going to love Ben Shepard. Um, we, we just really grew to like him in the pre-draft process, and uh, the shooting up component obviously is something that we value in Rick's system, and he brings a lot of that as well. So there's a lot to like about Ben. Chad, one of the things that jumped out at me last night, Chad Buchanan's our guest, the GM of the Indiana Pacers. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. One of the things that jumped out at me last night, of of all the players that were selected, was I, I it struck me how incredibly mature, humble, and and just really impressive the vast majority of these young men were. And I'm curious, are we starting to now see uh, and there's a lot about this I don't like, quite frankly. But is part of that the byproduct of the fact that now you are getting players that have been in the limelight and under a spotlight since the age of 14, 15 years old and thus have a better understanding of all of the expectation that comes with being selected in the NBA? That's a great question, Jake. You know, I think there is some accuracy to what you're saying. These, these guys that come into the league, they're – it's very rare that we interview a guy at the draft or when they come through our, our building that we're not like, gosh, it's a really sharp, you know, bright, articulate young man. And they're obviously they're well-prepared these days by their, their representation and their families. And they know the importance of making a good you know, representation of themselves when they meet with NBA teams. And I think last night's a great example. You see all these kids. I mean, they're living out their dream in front of the world on TV and, how they carry themselves and answer questions and handle the situation is, I feel like every year is it just gets more and more impressive. And, and I think every year we find less and less players in this draft that are red flags from a you know character standpoint. And uh, I think that's a representation of what you're saying of just the amount of time they spend around each other and in the limelight. I think that's very accurate, Jake. Okay, Chad Buchanan with us here, Pacers general manager. Obviously, a quick turnaround now to free agency here in about a week. Chad, if you had to kind of lay out needs as you guys enter free agency and certainly the ability to still execute some trades, what would that needs list look like? I think it's balancing our roster right now. I mean, we still have four centers. Um, you know, we have a couple guys at the power forward spot that, you know, young guys between, you know, Jarris, Aaron Neesmith. Jordan Nwora can all play the four. I mean, maybe another wing forward, you know, if, if we bounce out our roster would, would help. Maybe another point guard. I mean, we're going to look at all, all those kind of things here in the next couple of weeks uh, with trades and free agency. Chad, how important was it? You had so many assets going into the draft in terms of, and I'm talking about before even the trade with Denver. Was there a concerted effort 
as crazy as it sounds, to alleviate yourself of the number of picks you had in this draft to give that flexibility, not only of roster, but of cap room as well. Yeah, I think it was more so when you go into a draft with five picks and you have three roster spots, you, know, you obviously got to be aggressive to try to, to manage that component. Um, you know, you have the two ways as an option. You know, we're trying to maintain as much ammunition uh, for when the, the right player comes along via trade. So, you know, the trade we made with, with Denver and accumulating another pick in next year's draft is kind of kicking the can down the curb a little bit where if next trade deadline or, or this summer – or even next draft, if you know having that extra first is what gets you over the hump to get a player that you have targeted, um, that's always a good thing to do from a business standpoint. And you know, last night we moved around quite a bit. We moved, you know, a couple picks out. We moved moved down a little bit. So we were trying to juggle as much as we could. So at the end of the night, we could come away with you know some ammunition for for this summer and into next year. And that's what the future first I think has a lot of value for us and for teams around the league. So we feel good about that. Um, and just being in, being in position to make a go-for-it move uh, when that opportunity presents itself is important for us. Chad, I had mentioned this earlier. In the mid-'90s, there was this like art fad called Magic Eye. I don't know if you remember these, but like they were the, the pictures that were computer-generated, and you had to stare at them for like five minutes, and then eventually like a 3D image came into form, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I see it now. Does that ring yeah. a bell to you? Okay. Yeah, sure, sure. Does that feel like the assembly you guys have done with this roster? Because a year ago, it, I, I think even by your guys' own admission, you were still kind of waiting to see when the picture was going to form. And it seems to me like the picture has formed even faster than you anticipated. And the vision of where the Indiana Pacers are and can go is clearer, faster than perhaps you even thought. Am I off base? Uh, possibly so. I think, you know, Ty obviously changes everything for us. Finding the right pieces around him, um, is important, but also not being in a rush to jump up to, you know, being the eighth seed and being stuck in the seventh and eighth seed range. You know, we're, I think the hardest thing in the NBA is resisting the urge to be like five games better and limiting yourself, you know, two, three, four years down the road. So being patient. I mean, we just saw the Denver Nuggets. Be patient with their core and slowly build around it, and it culminated in a championship. And I think that is what we're trying to do. Um, there's always going to be temptations along the way, and um, you want to be good and continue to grow. That is our goal, but you want to do it the right way. So we feel good about this young core. Um, we know we still have a lot of work to do. We're not anywhere near where we need to be or want to be, but um, I think last night was a good good step forward for us. And um, I think Jarris will be a, a great fit for us. Chad, last one from me. Um, was there any thought when a guy like Cam Whitmore starts to slide to try and trade up? I can assure you we tried as hard as we possibly could on that one. And that was a – we called basically from about pick 10 down until his name came off the board. It was a frantic room um, trying to be aggressive to move up uh, into that range and – Unfortunately, it takes two teams to, to tango on that one, and um, you know, most of the teams had their guy and did not want to move, and um, we were very aggressive. That's why we had these, these extra picks um, to do things like that. And, you know, unfortunately, 
your aggressiveness doesn't always match up the other team's willingness to do something. So, But we were very aggressive trying to move up last night. Okay, last one for me, Chad, and we only got like 45 seconds left, unfortunately. But um, when you look at your roster, the position where you still need some more competition amongst your roster would be which position where you need more depth? I would probably say the 3-4 spot. I think would be where is if I see maybe where a, a hole might be good to place another player. Um, you know, I, obviously it's not the center spot. You know, another another role that we really really like is having a veteran mentor with a young group in our locker room. James Johnson was that last year and was a was a had a good impact on our young group. So I think those are the two spots that if I see probably a need that would be where we'd look to address. Chad, I always enjoy our conversations. It's terrific insight no matter what we throw at you. I enjoyed the golf outing experience last summer with you. Hopefully we can do that again here in a few months. And uh, good luck with all the chaos that will certainly continue next week as well. Thank you. Hey, and I'd be remiss if I didn't thank our staff. It takes a, it takes a village to, to run a draft. Ryan Carr, all of our scouts, uh, Sonia Clutinger, Susie Fisher, all the people on our admin staff, are just uh, they deserve a big shout-out. They don't get the credit for what goes into an NBA draft. So I just want to give them a, a big shout out and thank you. But I appreciate you guys. See you, Chad. All right.